Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager of the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization with the mission of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. Have you heard the news? Orange Arrow is turning 10. Please consider giving a monthly donation of $10 for 10 years of OA at www.orangearrow.org. Make sure to also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social media to see how we're celebrating. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow. Now I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, I mean, very special guest, my guy, Doug Whaley. What's up, Doug? How are you? Doing great, man. Just enjoying the summer, trying to get some stuff done with the family before things start kicking really in gear for the XFL in the fall. Beautiful, beautiful, man. Well, thank you for making time. As an athlete, you know the importance of warming up and stretching, right? Correct. I got, got a it. couple warm-up Here. questions. Yeah. Exactly. Here we go. Here we go. First one. First one, boss. If you're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, their entire catalog, who are you selecting? Ooh, very good question. Right now, I would say might be Wale. Ooh, okay. Yes, might be Wale. I'm not, mad at, I'm not mad at that one. Yeah, right now, that's that's the type of mood I'm feeling these, these next 30 days. And so are you familiar with the, the social media phenomenon versus that Swiss Beats and Timberland put together? Oh, no, I haven't hit. Yeah, you got to hit me to this. So basically, versus is, is, is start on Instagram. So they put artists versus artists. For example, it might have been Frankie Beverly and Maze versus uh, the Isley Brothers. And somebody put out a fictitious versus that who knows may happen. Wale versus Meek Mill. Who would win? Okay. You sticking with Wale? I'm sticking with Wale because Meek Mill, after a while, is the same cadence. You know what I mean? He does have some, some some lyrics in there, but the cadence is the same. Wale can mix it up a little bit. That's true. He can go a little go-go. He can slow down. Like, yeah. yeah. The it gives love you a little variety. Variety is spicy. That part. That part. So, Doug, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Like, to this day, if it comes on, you can sit down and watch the episode. To me, my favorite TV show of all time. Wow. Because I... I'm one of those strange people that I don't like to watch movies over again. I only watch them once, TV shows. But if I had to throw something on and watch it, it would probably have to be Honorage. And I'll tell you why. Because in the business I was in, it was one of the things that I used to tell players, that's how you should set your entourage up. If you're going to have hangers on, make them bring something to the table. And all you got to look for is look at LeBron. All his dudes were put on, but they're all bringing something to the table to add benefit to him and to them instead of being a drain of resources. I like it. I was a fan of Entourage. I think I got on it a little later, but yeah, that was a great show. Uh, who's your favorite character? Was it Ari? Wasn't Ari. It was... Uh, his business manager, his, his dude. So yeah, 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 yeah. To protect your guy, but also kind of finding your own way and learning the business and then being able to try to break out on your own. That's that, that inner struggle. Like, I want to do right with my guy, but I also want to look. But it also shows that 
he got put on, but he wasn't just going to stay with his guy. Like, right. hey, let me grow. Let me learn and let me try to break out. Not in not a bad way, but a positive way. Yeah, but I love that. I love that. Entourage, last one. Superpower. You have any superpowers starting tomorrow? What superpower would you be able to have? The superpower of healing. Because without help, you got nothing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with that. Enough said, enough said. So, Doug, take us back early beginnings, hometown, um, young Doug, introduction to sports. Take it away a little bit. Yeah, I've had my brother, I'm five years younger than my brother. So I had a great mentor and someone that paved the way. And you always, when you, you look up to your older brother, so any sport he played, I tried to play and I was just five years behind. So my dad was a, a, an athlete, went to West Point, played football there and baseball, graduated in 67. So football and, and more importantly, sports have been a fabric of our family since I, I can remember. I, I tell you this much, our, our Pee Wee League, you had to be six, and I'm young for my age, so I was really, in August, I was only five, so I kind of stretched the bubble gum a little bit, told them I was five, they didn't check the birth certificates, which nowadays they would, so I've been playing since I was six years old, and it was just something that is ingrained in you, and it's something that now that I've been out of sports, I realize sports, and more specifically team sport lays the foundation for a lot of things that are transferable in life and life skills that you can use not only in sports in your life, but in business. Yeah, that's really good. Where are you originally from outside of Pittsburgh? Outside, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Spent some I didn't time. know that. Yeah, 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 man. Spent some time there, spent some time in West Virginia, and then I moved to Pittsburgh in my, my ninth grade year. So I went to started high school, went to South Hills as uh, Pittsburgh, Upper St. Clair, played football, ran track, played baseball, and wrestled for a couple of years. Switched out of wrestling my junior year because I knew football was going to be my way and I needed to keep gaining weight. So, and again, like I said, sports is just, it's what you did. That, that's one of the things that it helped me for my transition because I moved around a lot. My dad was in the construction business, so he'd go where the jobs are. So, I was just talking to my mom. She's here now. Um, every five years, we were really moving because he owned his own construction company. So wherever the job was for that, and then he'd get a job there, and then it, all of a sudden he would just blow up, and we'd be there for five years. And then, but once we moved to Pittsburgh, um, we planted roots because I was in high school, and that was one of the things that helped that transition coming from out of state, coming to a new state. And new high school, especially high school years, meeting people the first time, it was that oh, I came in and I had August training camp with all the football players. So there was an instant camaraderie, instant relationship, instant right. friendship. And then when school started, it wasn't I was the new kid trying to make friends. I had friends. So, again, little things like that that you don't think of at the time, but show you what sports can do for people, young people, especially people in those impressionable years. Holy agree, totally agree. Let me take you back to Ohio. So I'm originally from Ohio, born in Cleveland, raised in Warren, Ohio. So Columbus, growing up, were you a Ohio State fan? What was your sports interest growing up? Yeah, sports interest was Ohio State fan. My dad was actually, as they called back in the day, a bird dog, bird dog scouting guy for Ohio State. So he still he was doing a lot of work in West Virginia. So they sent him there and say, hey, while you're there, 
If you see anybody, any players that we need to be turned on to, let us know. So definitely a Ohio State Buckeye fan. Um, Football-wise, though, I was a Chargers fan. Like Chuck Muncie, Dan Fouts. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, since we were in Columbus, you could either go Cleveland or Cincinnati. Had a bunch of family in Cleveland. It was like Brian Sykes years and all that stuff. So right. I had to be contrarian and be like, I don't want them. You know? And it's Cincinnati was Cincinnati. So it was one of those things I watched. I saw Fouts and Muncie and they were putting up points and they were throwing the ball around. Muncie had those glasses. So I was like, that's my, that's my squad. Kellen Winslow. So, yeah, that was right. it. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. You know, one of the things you said, um, because I could see how the influence of your dad being an entrepreneur and business owner, and I think about your business successful, your career in business and your journey. So how, how was that seeing your dad run his own business, start his business, being an entrepreneurship? How, how was that, that exposure for you growing up? Well, it, it, for me, it cemented the fact that if you're going to bet on anybody, bet on yourself. Because then there's no excuses. You can't say, well, and, and you hear this all the time. Well, I wasn't giving a this guy. It was political or they did me wrong or do this. If you're an entrepreneur, it is all up to you. And failure is not an option. You know what I mean? Hey, right. Don't me. I'm supporting the family. Failure is not an option. So that's the type of mentality that I woke up and saw every day. And then lastly, it was, you got to wake up and work every day. It's not, Oh, let's take time. So for me, uh, going to work with my dad all the way from probably when I was six, seven years old, it was get up at five 30 morning, get in a truck. Let's go to the job site after. Yeah. So for me getting up and working as, as I was taught and it, I, a defensive coordinator at Pitt told me this one time, and I'll never forget it. Working should be like breathing. So I have a I have a little issue with people that are like, work hard, work hard, work hard. If you got to tell me you're working hard or you got to pump yourself up to work hard, that I struggle with that because do you tell yourself to breathe? Not at all. I breathe, I gotta breathe. Now every once in a while you gotta say, I gotta take a deep breath and calm down. But to me, Working's like breathing. It should be automatic. You shouldn't even have to think about it. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. And so you mentioned defense according to our pit. So you excel in football in high school. What schools were you considering going to leaving high school? I was going to, I looked at my, I narrowed it down to Air Force Academy, Hawaii, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Harvard. So I had an eclectic group of schools. Um, people always say, well, how did you choose? My first choice, actually, coming from a military family, and my dad went to a service academy, was Air Force, and I wanted to end up, I wanted to fly fighter jets and then go into commercials and just be a pilot, which since then I have gotten my commercial, not my commercial, but my private pilot license, but that'll be a a later subject. Um, Nice thought. Okay. (laughs) That, that. That year in 1990, they had switched the commitment from anybody that wants to fly from five years to 10 years because guys were going to get their, all their hours in an air force. And after five years, jumping straight to commercial. So the air force wasn't getting a return on their investment. So they switched it to 10 years. That was kind of like, Oh man, 10 years. That's so I was like, eh. um, and then it, my lot Georgia tech had just come off like a 
0-11 season, 1-10 season. And funny part about it, that's when Bobby Ross came in. That was his first year. The next year, they ended up sharing a national title. That was my wow. year pick. <laughs> Uh, Hawaii wanted me to commit before I went out there. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. And it really came down to after Air Force, Georgia, I was like Air Force. I mean, it was Pitt and Harvard. My mom said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, you're a football player. If you want to go to school or to college, if you go to Harvard, you're going to be looking Saturdays at those D1 programs saying, thinking, what if? Why don't you do this? Go to Pitt, play D1, keep your grades up, and go get a master's degree from Ivy League school, which is even a better way. And I was like, that's why you always listen to your parents. They know what's best. Right. And, I, right. and I, right. this, I was truly blessed with my parents because they never told me what to do. They just gave me, hey, think about this. Think about that. They always said, we've lived our lives, but we're going to give you the skills to make the quality decisions. And you can lean on us to give you the positives and the negatives and all the things that you may not consider in making the decision, but it's going to be your decision. I love that approach. I know before we started recording, I share that, you know, I'm a new dad and I'm, you know, new into this parenthood. And I think about that, you know, not necessarily telling, you know, our son what to do. But, but giving him the skills and the tools and allow him to have those, you know, and build those critical thinking skills where he can be able to make and inform decisions. And, and, and therefore, because it sets him up for life because our parents are not going to always be around. I'm not going to always be around. And so for children to be able to truly succeed, you know, they need to be able to, 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 be able to weigh those options and be able to critical, critically decide. And even the young people who work with OA, we really look to build those critical thinking skills so that they can make those, um, you know, wise decisions as they go throughout this game we call life. No doubt. And I think critical decision-making, problem-solving, yeah. and understanding, and I think the biggest key to life when you're able to do that is no self-evaluation, knowing what is best for you. I can't sit there and tell you what's best for you. You can't tell me what's best for me. You don't know my feelings. You don't know my inspirations. You don't know my aspirations. You don't know what makes me tick. So once you, and I, I would give this advice to anybody, the key to having a, a successful life, and when I say successful, that means waking up every day and excited to do whatever you're doing. If it's being an artist, be an artist. If it's a computer science, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. And I think the biggest thing which we run into, especially in a capitalist society, everybody measures success with zeros in the bank account. I think after, I think we're starting to see a titanic shift in that, especially after what we went through as a world in this pandemic, people are saying, that's not success. Success now is quality of life and doing something that really engages you personally, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that combined, that is what is now looked at as success. And I think in years to come, especially the younger generations, if they subscribe to this, I think us as humanity are going to be in a much better place. I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Doug, take me back to your pit days. Some of your fondest memories. Talk about your experience. Share one or two. Just talk about your time at pit. Time at pit is, again, one of those things where we had mediocre success on the field, but the bonds that you made, I made with French friends there and the lessons I learned in, again, 
that's stuff that can be translated to later in life. Nick Rapone, the defensive coordinator, was talking about breathing and working, things like that, those little things. We had our second year, we had spring practice at 6 a.m. in the morning. So walking up the hill at 5 o'clock in the morning in spring when there's snow coming out, getting on the field and cracking heads at 6 in the morning and not the sun up, you can't – anything you throw at me now, I'm going to be like, been there, done that. You know, right, I mean? right. That takes nothing to, to do Oklahoma drills before the sun rises and it's 20 degrees out. So, whatever position situation I'm presented with, I'm going to be able to say, I can handle it. So, you can handle being able to put be put in adverse positions, but also ask to perform. So, when the lights are turned on, me flipping that switch and being able to perform, I got no issues with that. So those are those life lessons. And that's one of the things when people start saying, and this is a conversation we can talk about another time, it's a rabbit hole, is, is there traditional path of going to college the way you need to point every person to, to today? Is that the way to go? College may not be for everybody, but for me, it was one of those things that really set me up for, I keep repeating myself, a lot of things that I've accomplished in my life because I've been there, done that. Nothing's ever going to phase me. Nothing's task is going to be too daunting. And when I'm asked to perform, as long as I'm prepared, and that's it, learning to prepare. prepare preparation favors the, the I mean, success favors the prepared man. So knowing to prepare, critical decision-making, critical thinking, all of that stuff I learned at Pitt. And the great memories, <clears throat> intercepting Rick Meyer, at Notre Dame, looking up, seeing touchdown Jesus, playing in Oklahoma, one of my first games, and just seeing that when you look across, and this was back in 90, so that was when they had those turf and they had the crown fields, so when you're on one side of the, when we were on our sidelines, you look over, all you would see is the top half of their numbers because of that crown was so high. (laughs) Yeah, Going to West Virginia on a bus, getting rocks and stuff thrown at you, so those are the type of situations that you put in that when you get in life and there's other situations like, all right, it's a stressful situation. You know how to handle it. Rely on your preparation and what you've been taught. So I, I can't stress how much for me, college was great for me to prepare me for what is the next steps in life and life in general. And then one thing I'll add on to what you were saying about college is a, it's a social experience. Um, that you're able to to develop and grow and somewhat like prepare you prepare you for for life as well. And then also the the opportunity to build relationships. You spoke to relationships, and and one of the ways we're able to connect because I went to pit, you went to pit. We didn't go to pit at the same time, but you had that we had that bond. So when you Excellent. say go to hill, I know exactly what hill you talk about because I played at, at the old pit stadium. If you yeah. say Sutherland Hall or if you say the towers, I know exactly what you talk about. Even though we weren't there, you say the cathedral learning. We know exactly what we're talking about because we have that bond. And so it's, it's not even just about those who are there, but even those who had that similar experience, shared, that shared experience, you know, this is, uh, you, you know, when I say, yeah, you know, you, you can look at, you can see it in your eyes like, ah, yeah, I know it well. <laughs> totally, totally. So what did you major at it? Business finance. So a lot, when I went to school, my thought process was obviously play, hopefully make it to the league. If not, I was going to be one or two things, a stockbroker or a shrink. 
once I got into school and then when I found out shrink, you had to go to get a medical degree. I was like, I guess I'm going to be a stockbroker then. <laughs> Additional right, school, right. not in my plans for me, man. Dig it. So, so after college, what next? So you, you did have the, you did have the hopes of dream to be a professional athlete. You played defensive back, huddled on that pit. So talk about that transition and uh, what you end up doing. So the transition was after college, um, didn't get invited to any camps. So I was like, all right, let's move on to next. So what I did was I started studying for my series seven and 63. No, I, I'm going to jump in right quick because yeah. was it really that easy for a transition for you? All right, let's move on to the next. Or, or, or was, it, was that was that a challenge for you? It was, to me, it was easy. It was one of okay. those things. Again, my, my thing is let the information make the decision. And at the information, there was at that time, I think 30 teams and no one even invited you to a tryout camp. I was like, all right, I get it. And again, self-evaluation. I knew with my size, my speed, I'd be, I was more of an intellectual player. So I had to be in the right situation. I was like, okay, I could stand around and try to pursue this a couple more years. Or my ultimate dream was going to be, my other dream was to be a stockbroker. All right, guess what? Information making the decision. Let's be a stockbroker. So real quick, and this, this story will lead into the rest of my career. I was studying my Series 763 during the day. In the evenings, I'd go help our high school coach coach. So I was assistant DB, DB coach at our high school. The defensive coordinator at the time, Jim Ingott, used to coach with the guy that was the GM of the Steelers at the time. And he asked me, Tom Donahoe, he asked me what I was doing. I was telling him I'm going to be a stockbroker. He asked me if I ever thought about coaching. I was like, I turned down a GA ship at Pitt. I don't want to coach. He said, what about personnel? My exact words were, personnel, what's that? He said, scouting players. So he said, send your resume to Tom Donahoe. Tell him that I referred you. Sent it, got a form letter back. And the best part about the form letter is this form letter I used to send to people that would send me my resume. Hey, we don't have anything for you right now. We'll keep your resume on file. Something comes up, we'll be in touch. Passed my series 763, working in New York, having a ball, 22, in the city, living with my aunt in Brooklyn. All the people I work with are young, around the five boroughs. So I'm having a ball in New York. And then uh, about, they're about nine, 10 months, I get a call. My mom said, some guy from the Steelers named Tom Donahoe called you about an internship with the Steelers. Call him back. He said, you want to interview? I talked to my people at the, where I was working. They're like, listen, you got a year of inactivity on your license. Try the internship for a year. If it works out, great. If not, we'll hold your spot. Was blessed enough to get the internship. That was 95, 96. Steelers go to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys. I'm thinking, this NFL stuff's pretty easy. First year in <laughs> the Super Bowl. After that season, again, was blessed, made some connections, worked with a guy that knew somebody at the Seattle Seahawks. They were looking for a young, inexperienced scout to take the Northeast and interviewed there. And Dennis Erickson was the head coach at that time. And how about this connection? He remembered me playing when he was at Miami. We played him at Pitt. And he remembered me being that safety there, being like a smart, heady player like that, got maximized the skill. He's like, I know what this guy's all about. Let's give him the job. So I was in the Seahawks for three years, came back to Steelers for 11 years, and then with Buffalo for seven years. And that's how it started from there. And so one of the things that we, we share with uh, the young people we work with is the, 
power of relationships and also the importance of maintaining relationships, healthy relationships. And you dropped a couple of nuggets there that, that, that speaks to the importance of relationships. Can you just speak to the importance of building relationships and maintaining relationships? Yeah, I think it's critical because my grandfather always said, be respectful and nice to that panhandler on the street because you never know when they could save your life. So, and one of the greatest commandments of all is treat people like you want to be treated. You know what I mean? Like you want to be treated. And I, I don't think you have to look too far into it other than that. You engage with somebody, talk to them, genuinely treat them the way you want to be treated and then there, and, and be sincere about it. Don't be like, oh, I got to do it and really struggle and it's not sincere. People can see through that. But relationships are things that are built over time, built on honesty and sincerity, but as you say, can propel you a long way. And there's also times where you may not even know that someone's looking at you. So it's not only relationships, it's how you carry yourself and how you're seen by other people. And, it, and uh, on the football field, they always say the big eye in the sky don't lie. Well, in life, you never know who's quietly looking at you, taking notes and saying how you do what you do because they're evaluating you. So maybe if they come down the line and say, oh, I remember that guy. I liked how he did this, this. Let's interview him or let's give him that shot. And that's why I always say try to carry yourself with the utmost respect, dignity, but also giving it to people, utmost respect and dignity. Definitely. And if you share that example of um, Erickson, you yeah. had no idea he was watching you, but if you'd have been a knucklehead, if you would have been one of those guys who just throwing the helmets or, you know, maybe yeah, cussing, cussing people out or you cussing your coach out, he would remember that as well. And so, like, yeah. to your point, you never know who's watching. Never know who's watching. So always, always, in my opinion, carry yourself the way you want to be seen by other people. And I'm not saying be fake. You got to be genuine. Totally. Be who you are, but make sure you know whoever you are, people are going to be evaluating that you may not even know. You've had a wonderful career, plenty more to come. Michelle, what are you doing now? Right now, I'm the senior vice president of player personnel for the XFL. We got great ownership with The Rock, his business pet partner, Danny Garcia, and then Redbird Capital, private equity firm that owns uh, interest in a lot of uh, athletic uh, endeavors across the world. They just bought AC Milan. They're part of the Fenway Sports Group that owns uh, Boston Red Sox, Penguins, and Liverpool. They own an Indian Cricket League, so they are very sports-centric. And the thing that I really like is they are – the catalyst behind a lot of it because they know the sports industry. So they, that, but when you bring in the rock, he, he wears 54 because he always said he was the 54th guy on the NFL roster of 53. And he wants to be a, a league of opportunity. And then Danny Garcia, his business partner is all about, Hey, these players, some will make it, some won't, but let's give them a soft landing. And people say, what do you mean soft landing? This gives them, uh, opportunities to perfect their craft. And if they're noticed by the NFL, then they get a, onto the NFL team. If they don't, they will have two to three years of being able to make a, a living and figure out what they're going to do next. And her purpose is let's start 
branding them, getting their self out there and see how they can make other revenue streams so they can transition to the next phase of their life. So you get that three prong approach by ownership and in any, any organization, business, athletics or whatever, it starts at the top and it starts in ownership. And that's one thing I would say, if you're side between two jobs, three jobs, whatever, or to pursue a job, look at leadership first. And that will tell you all about what that company, that team, or that organization is all about. I love that approach. It's really like that people first and really investing in the individual. Because as we know, football, not any sport is not going to last forever. And no. so developing, helping develop it, that individual is something that we're all about. And so, as you know, the mission of Orange Arrows, the coach, student, athletes, to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Doug, as we close, why is it important for an athlete to be successful outside of their sport? I think the main reason you want to be successful outside of your sport is because, like you said, sports aren't going to last forever. And if you define yourself by your athletic endeavors, that is going to be a very hard transition when you have to hang up and retire, hang up the cleats, the spikes, whatever you're hanging up. So again, transition your mind to say, I am an athlete, but I'm not an athlete solely in what I can accomplish in life and who I am as a person. I can take what I've learned in athletics and transfer those skills to whatever I decide to do in my next phase of life and have different interests. And I think that's one of the things is I really see now that I'm struggling with, obviously I have a nine-year-old daughter gonna, and you start getting into athlete, athletics and people are starting to really just focus on one sport. I think you need to be multidimensional, especially at a young age, but when you start really focusing on one sport, when you get older, make sure you are multidimensional in your thought process. And there's a big thing out there now about diversity. My thinking is it's, yeah, we need diversity. But when you talk about diversity, it's more diversity of thinking than just diversity of color, sexual orientation, socioeconomic background. Whatever. You need diversity of thinking. And personally, I think you need diversity of thinking inside your own way, in your own thought process. Like, okay, on the football field, I do it this way. The business people I'm talking to are doing it this way. Maybe we can meld the two and have something in the middle that gives us that breakthrough idea. And that's why I say, don't, and I don't mean this in a bad way and I'm clear on, don't always surround yourself with like-minded people. And I'll tell you a good story. I was in, when I interviewed for my assistant GM position at the Buffalo Bills. I was interviewing with Buddy Nix and we we're talking going back and forth. And he said, I'll tell you this much, Doug. I don't want a yes, man. I don't want someone to always agree with me. And I said, I understand. And you're going to pay me for my opinion. He goes, because if you always agree with me, why am I paying you? So if you have a company or you're in a company and everybody's thinking the same way, you're going to get really myopic in your thought process and you're going to miss some opportunities. So that's why I say get diversity in thinking and friendships in business and sports. And then it, it will trigger some thought process. You know, I never thought that. And that's going to make you a more well-rounded person and more well-rounded in your thought process and your decision-making, your critical thinking. 
because you get more tools in your toolbox when you are open to other people's way of thinking. Doug, thank you for who you are. When you're talking about being more than an athlete, successful outside of your sport, you embody that. I appreciate your continued support of Orange Arrow. Thank you for your time today, man. Looking forward to getting connected in the near future. Hopefully, hopefully on the golf course. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate what you do. I love the mission and what you're accomplishing for these athletes. And uh, the last thing I can say is enjoy to the athletes. Enjoy every moment that you have because it is fleeting. But when it's over, it's not over. As they say, the next chapter could be the best chapter. Awesome. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate you, boss. H2P. Take care. Let's go.